everyone. Welcome to Home From Home, a podcast where we answer your questions with our experiences and questionable advice. We're just two women, wives, and moms who like girls but love God. This is a safe place for real conversation where we will talk about the real highs and lows of life as disciples with added baggage. Can we help you with that? Welcome to your beautifully messy home from home. In this episode, we discuss the best parts of being same-sex attracted. We also talk about the tension of not being ashamed or reveling in its glory. Welcome to your beautifully messy home from home. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the beautifully messy home from home podcast. It is Morgan, uh, your host, alongside with Ellen, uh, and we are excited to be back with you today. Uh, you know, wherever you're at in the week, we hope that it's going well, that you are enjoying hopefully some sunshine. Um, I'm located in Southern California and it has been hot. It has mm. been over mm-hmm. 90, which is which I mean, we're in like a worldwide heat wave hottest months um on the planet so i'm i'm assuming wherever you are <laughs> you are also experiencing the heat hopefully you're surviving well uh so we're going to start off with our messy moment uh ellen is going to take us away with that and then we'll jump into the topic for the day yeah well uh i have a, a doozy for you today morgan um this just happened yesterday so it's still pretty fresh but i was feeding my kids breakfast yesterday morning i have a four-year-old and a 15-month-old My four-year-old was sitting on the counter eating and my 15-month-old was in his high chair and I had to go to the bathroom really quickly. So I I told my oldest, keep an eye on your little brother. If he tries to climb out of his chair, just yell out so I can hear you and I'll run back really quick and get him. So just as I get into the bathroom, my oldest yells out, mom, I have to pee. So I said, okay, just go. Like, it's fine. Your little brother probably won't climb out. Just go. It'll be fine. I'll be right there. It's all good. Just go. So I get back into the kitchen. I'm going to pause. What do you think I saw? Pee everywhere. Yeah. Okay. So the problem is me. My <laughs> oldest is cleaning the countertop and he says, mommy, I peed on the counter, but I wiped it up with a wet wipe. And I'm like, why did you pee on the counter? And he looks at me dumbfounded and innocently and says, you told me to. You said just go. And like he thought I meant just pee on the counter right where you stand while you keep an eye on your brother. I am flabbergasted. I honestly thought that my, the the biggest potential problem in my life right now was my youngest son climbing out of his high chair. Come to find out uh, a, a pee-filled countertop could be a reality for me at any moment. So talk about messy. I have cleaned that countertop about 47 times. That was a pretty messy moment. <laughs> Oh, man, I cannot believe the, it. the potty training stories in and of. Well, I'm sorry, not even potty training, but potty training plus six, eight months, give or take, are some of the best stories. I think um, some parents yeah. can relate to. Definitely some of the messiest ones. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, thanks for that messy, messy moment. Uh, yeah. But we will jump into our topic for the day, uh, which is what is the best part about being same sex attracted? So. When we were talking about this or thinking about this, uh, you know, subject or topic to discuss on the podcast, uh, we realized that around the topic of same sex attraction, there can be a lot of 
negative connotations, especially from a Christian perspective, right? Who likes to be like, oh, here's my deepest, shameful, saddest part of my life. Let me celebrate that, right? Like when we're talking about addiction, when we're talking about sexuality, when, you know, all these topics, usually there's this, again, negative connotation that comes with these things. And I think oftentimes, uh, you know, we, the, the name of our ministry is Strength and Weakness. And oftentimes people are like, wow, like you're celebrating your weakness. Well, yes, in actuality we are because there are some positives that come from having this be a part of your life. And uh, I know that might sound a little bit paradoxical, (laughs) uh, but hopefully, you know, Ellen and I are going to unpack that just a little bit because we do get this question because I think when people, again, think about same-sex attraction, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry for you. I can't believe that this is a part of your life, right? But instead, you know, we also want to take some time and celebrate the positive, the positivity around it uh, and how it's impacted our life. Uh, so as we jump into this, um, Ellen, I'm just going to put the question out there first. What to you is the best part about being same-sex attracted? Yeah, well, I I think it's so funny. The person who asked this question uh, when they submitted this question through the podcast portal, they said, okay, I'll ask it. What's the best part about being same-sex attracted? So I don't know if this is like a question that people are are want to ask but are too afraid to ask. I just like how they phrase it. Okay, fine, I'll ask. What's the best part? I think, you know, I want to be careful not to glorify being same-sex attracted. Um, I like to use a lot as a parallel an example of anger. Right. I'm a very angry person by nature, which is something that I, I can um, n- naturally produce a lot of shame for me. But the truth is that God doesn't say, do not be angry. He says, in your anger, do not sin. So there's certainly nothing wrong with being angry. I just have to learn how to steward it righteously. So if we were going to use that as a parallel for this question, that would be like asking, what's the best part about being angry? <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't want anyone to get the impression that I, I'm so excited about the fact that I'm angry by nature, but. That said, because I've had to, you know, really work on my anger before God, it has led to some incredible refinement and better understanding of who I am, who God is, and what distortions or lies that exist in the world that I've believed. So for me, the answer is the same for my same-sex attraction. I certainly don't wake up every morning thinking, wow, being same-sex attracted is the best thing that's ever happened to me. But I am really grateful for the refinement that it's produced in me to be able to learn more about who I really am, what makes up my true worth who God says I am, and to flesh out my identity in Christ a little bit more. My same-sex attraction has kind of forced me to do that more than maybe I would have if I weren't same-sex attracted. And so for me, that's what I think of when I think of the very best part of it, for sure. Yeah, I can you? I can totally relate. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I kind of break this thought uh, or this question uh, into two segments of my life, uh, really before I got married and after I got married, (laughs) because before I got married, I, I really, I think I had, um, a hard time, you know, seeing that there were any positives about this, Mm -hmm. um, outside of the fact that, uh, you know, the relationships with women that I was in brought me to such a place of humility and, uh, brokenness that I, sought God out, right? Uh there there wasn't really anything that I looked back and was like I'm so glad I went through all those trials and heart like not even that it was just a relationship with a woman, but it was just heartbreaking relationships in general, right? Like nobody wants to go through heartbreak. It doesn't feel good. 
Uh, but I think it was hard for me to look back because a lot of uh, the memories and a lot of the experiences that I had were were broken. I broken relationships with my parents, um, a lot of distance, a lot of uh, yeah, separation from people that I was really close to at one point in my life. A lot of new relationships that I had made with people uh, that were yeah newer in that time of my life that I absolutely can look back on and be grateful for those friendships and relationships. Mm-hmm. But again. I think looking before I got married, I don't think there was necessarily um, like, oh, this was the best part. However, now, right, once you're far removed from the situation, you can look back and be like, well, actually, this was probably the best part about it. And I I think for me, before I got married, the best part about being same sex attraction, uh, same sex attracted was the fact that it did bring me to a very vulnerable place with God. Because when it comes to the the parts of our lives that we're the most ashamed about, um, I think anybody who's listening to this podcast, you can think of something, right? Uh, that you're like, oh man, I really, I really regret doing this in my life, or I'm, or I am ashamed that this is a part of my natural response of life, you know. Uh, but for me, it it brought me to this vulnerable place of like, wow, I am broken and I have made a lot mm-hmm. I've made a lot of decisions that have hurt myself that have hurt other people and that have hurt God and this has drawn me close to him because again it being a relational sin uh it it really like it brought a lot of emotion it brought a lot of memories it brought right like it, a lot of things that were mm, had had become some core memories for me through those mm-hmm. those years in my life. So I would say that's, yeah, the best part in that time of my life was absolutely drawing me to my knees before God. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I'm glad that you said that because one thing that I was thinking of too, I, I think in, you know, pre-marriage and post-marriage is just the humility and the better understanding of grace that my same-sex attraction has brought to my life too. I remember early on in my walk with God, someone really close to me confessed some like big sin. And this was something that I might have judged really harshly, right? Like something that I could have been personally affected by that would have, you know, been um, something that I could have been really harsh and judgmental about in my prideful self. But in that moment, I remember thinking, who am I to judge? Because I know what I'm capable of. I've walked the life of something I thought I was incapable of. And I want to put a note in there too, that that you and I grew up in a different time than the culture that is sort of at, at large in our world right now, or at least the Western world right now. We live in a culture that says it's not shameful to be uh, homosexually attracted. And I, I actually agree with that, right? It shouldn't be shameful. We grew up in a time, though, where it was shameful. And so that shame that I felt over that, I don't think was right. I don't think God wanted us to feel that shame. But because the culture we lived in made us feel that shame, it did. The benefit of that was that we were, you know, so quickly in touch or we have had the opportunity to be so quickly in touch with humility and God's grace. And sometimes for me, at least be able to extend it to other people, maybe more quickly than I, I normally would have. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even to the vulnerability of walking into new relationships and sharing parts of my testimony or sharing parts of my story this was a huge part of it. So mm-hmm. that was an immediate one relationship builder, I guess. But two, I just yeah. got more comfortable with vulnerability 
more quickly. So, hey, like, great to meet you. Oh, tell me about yourself. And I felt like I couldn't be true to who I was in the situation that I was in without sharing that part of my life. Not everybody feels that way. But could you imagine, right, listeners, like <laughs> that that shameful thing that I was asking you to recall a couple minutes ago? Could you imagine like meeting a new friend and they're like, tell me about yourself. And you're like, <laughs> yes, um, I my name is Morgan. I am from Idaho and I'm a compulsive liar. <laughs> Right. Like that's probably not the first place you're going to go. Sounds that's like a maybe support group meeting. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably a few years down the line. If you get there, you know, I, I am very familiar with people who still have a hard time getting to some of those really gut wrenching, honest places because it's just not a societal, cultural or comfortable norm to be in. Um, yeah. And so, I think vulnerability yeah. begets vulnerability, right? So you're right. When we have that level of vulnerability that we can offer in relationship, it puts other people's defenses down and really does kind of bond more quickly. And certainly that's helpful when we're growing closer in the name of God, because, you know, that's fertile ground for connection is vulnerability. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and so, I mean, great segue into, I think, the second part that I was alluding to before, which is the second season of my life, which is marriage and how, you know, how same sex attraction has impacted my marriage and, and what the best part about it is. Uh, and I think in line with all of this, my husband and I talk about this fairly often, probably not the first, probably not the first like two or three years of our marriage, just because, right, like if you're listening to this and you're married you know that those first three years are uh, you're just learning to live with somebody else. You have a lot of new norms. There's there's not a lot of. Uh, you're not going super deep, super fast. With that said, my husband knew about my same sex attraction before we got married. Uh, and then, right, we get through the first few years of marriage and then I stopped and I was like, what what is making our relationship so deep? so quickly, right? Because usually you hear in marriage, you know, when you get to your seven through 10, things start to break, right? <laughs> Whether you get put into a catastrophic situation, it's like a pressure cooker a little bit. People are starting to feel like, oh man, this is a long-term commitment, right? You, you hear it all the time. We just celebrated our eighth year and I'm like, why don't I feel that? And looking back, we had this really, really rich, deep conversation one night. And I was like, um, you know what? I actually think it's because we had to step into vulnerability much more quickly than the average person, right? We're like, I have already laid out the majority of the depth of my sin to you. There's nothing I'm hiding, you know, like it doesn't mean that it doesn't still impact our marriage or that. Um, there's conversations we have to have around same-sex attraction with our marriage. However, we're having the conversations. It's not this secret that I'm hiding in my heart. It's not something he's unaware of or that he's not walking alongside me with. And then on top of that, you know, everybody has the question, well, are, are you even attracted to your husband? And do you even, you know, <laughs> so many questions around that, which totally understandable. I would probably ask mm -hmm. them if I was in that situation as well. Um, the the beautiful and best part about same sex attraction to me at this time in my life is that attraction is not the only thing that keeps me engaged and enriched in my marriage. 
uh, mostly mm-hmm. because, yeah, I'm same-sex attracted. So I personally am, yes, I'm attracted to my husband. I also am attracted to women. So it's a, it's a different type of attraction, though, because when I was dating women, it was very much an emotional connection. It was the uh, codependency. That was what I fed off of when I was in those relationships. And now in my marriage, I'm like, wow, I don't just wake up and I'm like, sex doesn't drive all of my thoughts when it comes to I'm attracted and I like that's that's all I want to do and that's all I want to talk about. And that's, you know, a, a huge motivator for me. No, it's actually like the emotional connection. I really deeply desire that. And it's something that I've been able to cultivate and my husband and I have been able to cultivate to where my emotional needs are met now in our marriage. And so it is much deeper. And and he'll be like, wow, I don't know a lot of other husbands who are having these conversations. And I'm like, yeah, because I I know my need and where I came from. And so I'm asking you to meet me where my need is. And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, totally. I mean, that's this is great to know, you know? And so again, I think all of it wrapped up. I know I, I said a lot, but it's like, wow, if being in touch with the vulnerability that God has brought me to because of same-sex attraction, I feel like I've been able to communicate more effectively to my husband. Hey, here's what I need uh, in order to be in a rich and fulfilling marriage. So wow. I think that would that's my my best part. What about you, Al? Anything else? Yeah, I love that. No, I mean, I totally relate to that in terms of my marriage as well. I sort of like that saying, um, if a person is blind, their other senses are heightened, right? Like that's sort of what we're saying is that we have to, I always use the example of a stool. I don't know why, because it's the only metaphor I can think of. But if you think about, right, I'm a marriage and family therapist. And so there are couples that come into my office and say, hey, we're attracted to the opposite sex where we were attracted to each other, but we've been married for a year, two years, three years, and that attraction is starting to wane. And now we realize we don't really have a deep foundation of connection outside of sexual or um, physical attraction. And so when when we're too reliant on sexual or physical attraction, which is kind of what drives romance in our current culture, that can be really problematic because that does not last for a lifetime, like our marriages, like we hope our marriages will, right? Um, and so when I think about this stool of intimacy, one leg of it, sure, is physical or sexual attraction. And your and my leg of that stool of intimacy in our marriages might be that leg might be a little bit skinnier than other people's legs, right? But what does that mean? That means we really have to uh, fill out the other legs on that stool so that our intimacy is on a firm foundation and not wobbly just because we're a little bit, um, you know, deficient in terms of our physical attraction toward our husbands, right? So, um, yeah, I think it's a real benefit that, you know, we've had to kind of flesh out other areas of connection, like our emotional connection, our spiritual connection, our partnership and raising our children, our shared memories, right? All these things combine to help make up our intimacy, physical, you know, sexual intimacy, physical Physical attraction can absolutely be part of it, should be part of it for married couples. But if that's the main focus, if that's the biggest uh, leg on your stool, then the other air, the other legs on that stool might be compromised. They might suffer a bit. So I'm really grateful we have robust legs all around that stool, even if that one uh, leg is a little bit skinnier than other couples, heterosexually attracted couples. 
And so I think about, you know, where when when people ask this question, Ellen, very curious when people ask this, why why do you think one would be so inquisitive to know what the best part about being same sex attracted is? I wonder, I think probably because of the right, the culture that you and I grew up in that said it's shameful to be and how quickly it's changed to in our culture at large saying it's something to be celebrated. It's not shameful, which I agree with. It's something to be celebrated and embraced. Right. And so I think I don't know, I'm assuming because it's shifted so vastly so quickly, maybe, you know, there's this um there's some rub, right? Like there's some opposing views here. Like, well, there's a part of me that thinks it should be shameful, but there's another part of me that thinks it should be celebrated and embraced. And so maybe that's it, right? This longing to find that messy middle ground to say, hey, what is the best part? I don't need to be ashamed about it, but you know, I also don't want to revel in it either, right? So I don't know, that can be my only guess is to find that middle ground. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think we, you know, we talk about this often on the podcast, but the the messy tension that we live in right of of trying to see god through our sin you know and mm. and really acknowledge right we're sinful before him everybody is and and how do we cling to him in a culture that is shifting so so quickly uh i mean mm-hmm. i've had multiple conversations just this week um, around the trans topic and how people are trying to re- Christians are trying to reconcile, which I know we're not talking about today, but just to like put it out there and acknowledge that like these are, of course, these are normal questions. But I do think it's because as Christians, we live in this tension of mm-hmm. being a light to the world, but also having deep conviction of what the Bible teaches and how do we love people with kindness, kindness, dignity, respect. Uh, acknowledgement of of how they want to live life if they are not Christians. And I think Christians have a hard time with that because we want everybody, yeah. right? We want everybody to know the peace and love and relationship with God that we have. But we also, just like God gives us free will and allows us to make our own decisions, right? How we can turn around and love people regardless of the decisions that they're making in their life. Um, but I, I, I am just curious, right? If I was in somebody's shoes, uh, you know, I would probably have the same question. And we yeah. want to hear, you know, we want to hear your questions. We we want to be able to to share also the again, the positive aspects of it, like Ellen said, right? We don't want to revel in it and we also don't want to be ashamed of it. Uh and I mean this podcast is also a great example. Here Ellen and I are sharing the most vulnerable parts of our life, which if you ever <laughs> asked us if we were going to do that, the answer would probably be no. Uh, however, we also see that there are a lot of people who, again, have these questions, have thoughts, uh, want help navigating this topic. And if we didn't do this, of course, I'm sure there's other people who are doing this who would do this. But we feel like, hey, this is a part of our story that we've been able to see God through uh, and see God influencing. Uh, and we want to be able to to share that with other people. Uh, which I always say, like, could you, I say it to my husband all the time, I'm like, could you imagine standing up on a stage and just talking about your deepest, darkest, shameful <laughs> sin? And he's like, <laughs> we can. <laughs> no. And I'm like, yeah, we, that's what we do. And I was like, that's so bizarre. 
<laughs> well, and so it's not even that you're getting up there and talking about it. It's that people ask even more like probing <laughs> yeah. questions, right? Like we, not so much on the podcast. We This is the forum for that, right? And we have a little yeah. bit more control over how we answer that and which ones we answer. But like in a live audience, when yeah. someone's like, how do you have sex with your husband? <laughs> you're like, oh, wow. Okay. I didn't share vulnerably enough, I guess. <laughs> It's so true. It's so true. Like even on top of that, like, so if you are like choosing to date somebody, right? I don't think the first thing people ask are like, so are you attracted to them? (laughs) Right? Like the assumption would be, yes, I am attracted to them, which is why I'm dating them. Uh, Or I'm not attracted to them. And I'm not going and shouting that around to everybody. It's just so (laughs) interesting when you put it in a different perspective, how funny it sounds. Uh, and I could go on about that topic, but I just encourage you to do that. Like, just think about, you know, some of the questions that you ask or you consider, like, just, just flip it before you ask it too. Again, there's no shame in asking the questions. I am very inquisitive and we want to hear all of the questions, but it is, it is a different perspective. We're the we're the safe people to ask those questions with, yeah. right? We'll say now, like if you have a sister or brother at church who's attracted to the same sex and you have questions about this, don't go to them. Go <laughs> yeah. to us with your scathing questions, right? We're the safe ones to ask. Protect them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, again, thank you everybody for joining us today. We hope that you enjoyed, um, you know, a quick question and answer. Please submit your questions to our, our podcast forum. We would love the opportunity to hear from you. Uh, and we uh, look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. Thank you for listening to Home From Home. We'd love to hear your questions. Please submit through the link in the description. Home From Home is sponsored by Strength and Weakness Ministries, a Christian organization that helps to bridge the gap between the Christian community and the LGBTQ community through awareness, education, and support. For more info and resources, go to strengthandweakness.org.